cold in here. Good morning. How are you? Good to see each of you here. Let me give you some announcements as I welcome you. The kids' regular programs tonight, Handbells Choir, Mission Kids, and Bible Study meets tonight at regular time. Reminder that this afternoon, the Bishop's Listening Session will be held at Aldersgate United Methodist Church from 3 to 5. A reminder that Next Wednesday, this coming Wednesday night, is Ash Wednesday service at 7 o'clock. Because of that, there's no choir, handbell practice, etc. But the Easter rehearsals will begin February the 20th for all who want to join in the special Easter choir. So you're welcome to join and be part of that. And you can see Jessica for more information. Also, next Sunday... The children's choir will sing in the 9 a.m. service. A reminder that money, money is due, um, and of course sign-ups, I guess, should already be done, but money is due Sunday, February 24th for the Greenville Road Warriors hockey game with the, uh, as part of the Family Life Ministries. So more information about that is in the bulletin. And a reminder that uh, confirmation class will not meet tonight, but will meet next Sunday night at the regular time. All right. That's all the announcements I have. Let us begin our worship together.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray together. O Lord our God, we ask that you would bless us so we may bless others. We ask that you expand our territory so we may be kingdom builders. We pray that your hand would be with us so that our hands could be a help to others. And we ask that you would keep us from evil so that we would not cause pain to anyone. We pray in your name. Amen. Let us affirm our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
may be seated and let our children come forward now for some children's time. Good morning. Are you happy to be here today? Are you happy to be here? I'm, I'm happy <laughs> for um, all this learning here. Happy for all this learning here. How wonderful. I want you to turn around and look at this beautiful stained glass window behind you and tell me some of the colors that you see in that picture. It makes it, um, the, makes it beautiful. Church. Yes, it does. What are some of the colors that you see? Green, green, gold, gold, blue, and um, it could it could look like in the sun is a like. Uh, look at these colors right there. What do you see? Um, I love it. Is a purple. Okay, lots of pretty colors. It sort of reminds me of a rainbow. I love to look at this picture every Sunday when I come in here. I want to talk to you today about a rainbow and a promise. It makes it good. That's exactly right. Uh, did, do any of you know what the first book of the Bible is? Well, let's... You know. Genesis, that's exactly right. In the book of Genesis, at the very beginning of the Bible, it talks about a rainbow that God made that shines all over the world at some times. And it talks about a promise that we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, a rainbow means that some, if God put it all over the world, in every town, in every state, in every country, at some time, we're going to see a rainbow after a storm, after a rain. You're going to see it at least once. Do any of you know what the last book of the Bible is? Starts with an R. Rev. That's exactly right, Revelation. And it also mentions a rainbow in the last book of the Bible, and that rainbow is around the throne of God in heaven. Well, a long time ago, real long time ago, God was looking down on earth, and most of the people were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. Actually, God could only find one man who was very honorable. And you know what his name was? Noah. His name was Noah. And so God spoke to Noah, and he said, I want you to do something special because you have done everything right. You have honored me, unlike these other people who would always worship idols. Noah worshiped God. So God said, I have to teach these people a lesson. So Noah, I want you to build a great big boat. And when I tell you I want you to gather your family and bring them on the boat. 
And I want you to get two of every kind of animal and two of every kind of bird and put them on the boat with you. And I'm going to save all of you because you have been such a good person. So Noah began to build this big boat, sometimes called an ark. And he built and he built and God looked at it and he goes, mm, not quite big enough yet. Got to make it bigger. So Noah kept building and it was a great, great big boat. And finally God said, that's big enough. So on the day that he was supposed to take his family inside this boat, God told him, now gather your family, all your sons, take them on the boat. How many kinds of every animal? Two of every animal and how many of every bird? Two of every bird. And Noah did. He put his family and the animals and the birds in this big boat and he closed the door. And God said, now just wait. In the meantime, with Noah and all of his family and these animals and birds on the boat, it began to rain. It didn't rain for just a few hours and it didn't rain easy. It rained very, very hard. For 40 days and 40 nights, it just rained. And where all of these people were back on land, there was a huge flood. What do you think happened to all these people that were so bad? That's exactly right. They died. What about as the water got higher and higher, what happened to Noah on this boat? They were saved because what would the boat do as the water got higher? the boat would rise above it, wouldn't it? It would get what's on the water, so he was safe. So for 40 days and 40 nights, Noah stayed there in that boat, safe. And at the end, when it stopped raining, Noah sent out a dove. Do you know why he would send out a dove? It had, and if there was any land. That's exactly right, to see if they were near some land. First time the dove came back, nothing in its mouth, so he thought, well, we're not on land yet. But the second day he sent out a second dove, and when that dove came back, do you know what he had in his mouth? A leaf from a tree. Very good. You're so smart. A leaf from a tree. So Noah knew that they were near land, and then God spoke. He said, Noah, it's time. You're on land. You can get out. The first thing that Noah did when he got out with his family and all the animals and birds, you know what he did? Do you remember? He built an altar, and he began to pray to God, and he said, God, thank you so much for saving my family and me and all these animals. And God said, you deserve to be saved. And he said, I'm going to promise you one thing, Noah. There will never be a flood to destroy the earth. Never again. I promise you. And to seal that promise, he said, I'm going to make a rainbow. And every time you see a rainbow, I want you to think about the promise that I'm making. Never again will I destroy the earth with a flood. So what I want you to do is every time you see a rainbow, what will you think about? Very good. And the promise that God made. Will you remember that? After we have our prayer, I brought a couple color sheets for you. And um, everyone just calls me Noah. 
Everyone just calls you no. I bet that's because that's your name, isn't it? After no, it has Hammond at the end of it, he says. Okay. <laughs> On this side, you have a sheet, and it tells you what color to color your rainbow. On this side, you can color it any color you want to. And you all know that I love my little solar figures. So I'm going to give you some animals that are solar, and you put them in the sunlight, and what will they do? They'll move. That's exactly right. And you think about the animals on the ark. So let's bow your heads and repeat after me, please. Dear God, thank you for rainbows. Thank you for the promise of loving all of us. Amen. Margie, I am so impressed. Where do you, are you go, we're going to have a whole jungle of animals and things that run off of solar power. power. That is so cool. Now, if I could just run off of solar power. All right. All right. Let us uh, prepare ourselves for prayer. O oh God, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these thy people. All-knowing God, you have provided for our needs, uh, even before we knew them. You're the source and the preserver of our lives. And so we come into your presence singing our songs of praise for your great and holy name. And we're reminded this day that out of your infinite love, you have made us for yourself. And yet we must confess, O oh God, that we do not honor your love in the ways we live with one another. We have heard your call to love our enemies, but we allow the drive for revenge to overtake us. In your example of self-giving, we know ourselves called to love all your creatures, but we too often extend kindness only to those who have done good to us. We do not withhold our judgment of others. Oh God, in this and all things, forgive us. Lord, not as we forgive, but as your love and your compassion forgives us. We know that we cannot accomplish what you have called us to do without your Spirit. So fill us with conviction and strength that we might proclaim with confidence the word of your salvation. We live in the flesh and we perish. But your power raises us, us above the limits of this earth. 
into a new life promised in Jesus Christ. And so we pray this day, O Lord, as we honor the holy state of marriage, to look upon all this day who are married and successfully journeying towards the completion of that marriage. We pray your blessings. We pray your blessings, O God, upon those who remain single and find the blessedness in singleness. We pray, O God, for those who are widows and widowers. We pray and and are thankful that they have completed their journey faithfully in the covenant of promise. And we pray, O Lord, that their wisdom would have sustained the rest of us who are still on that journey. We pray, O God, for all those who may be sick this day, whether in body, mind, or spirit. We pray, O Lord, for each one, each one here and not here. We pray, O God, that they would feel your mighty presence and that you'd convict them in the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray, O God, that you'd take those that are dying and that those that are mourning and heal them. We pray, O God, for your refuge and all our trouble, and we pray for peace. We wait this day, O God, in stillness and patience before you. Hear us as we commit our way to you and answer our prayers. For we pray them in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, and who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us, as our faith calls us, to, to, act, to worship with giving. So let our ushers come forward to receive our tithes and our offerings.
may be seated. Our lesson comes from Matthew chapter 19. Some, beginning at verse 3, some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him. And they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And Jesus said, Haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. And so they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank You for Your love and being the author of all love. And we thank You for our experience of love in our life through our relationships. And we pray, O oh God, that You would help us to understand uh, what You would say to us in whatever state that we find ourselves this day. We pray in Your name. Amen. You know, any time you uh, plan uh, some special services, you always wonder why not they're going to be successful. I will say already that the 9 o'clock seemed to be a whole lot more receptive to this service than 11 o'clock based just on attendance figures. But I will want to tell you this, that uh, any time we touch on something that's a little bit controversial, it's important to remember that we are dealing with things that the Lord has taught us, and we're dealing with things that the church has decided. This service that we undertake today comes out of the United Methodist Church Book of Worship and is suggested to be used in, within a worship service. And that's one of the reasons that we're doing it today. And I have found that those who participate are usually blessed uh, in, it in many different ways. I will tell you, though, a funny thing happened one year when I was going to do a ser series of sermons uh, on the Ten Commandments. And uh, we had about the usual attendance for each commandment until we came to the one that said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And i never forget when we walked in and the church was packed compared to the other Sundays that we'd had the other commandments. And I remember uh, turning to the associate pastor that I had at that particular time and I said, whispered, and I said to her, I said, I can't decide if this is, the church people are here because they have committed adultery or they're thinking about committing adultery. And maybe that's why they're all here, to hear what I would have to say. I am surprised that more are not here to hear what Jesus would say about marriage. And Jesus had a lot to say about marriage, and so does the church, our tradition, our reason and our experience, as John Wesley taught, teaches a whole lot about marriage. Let me start with a true story. Harry and Martha had been married for 50 years when their friends threw them a party. And at the height of the celebration, Harry proposed a toast. And this is what he said. 
Martha and I have been married for 50 years. We never had a fight. The secret to our success can be attributed to this. On the night of our wedding, we agreed that whenever an argument arose between us, I would take a walk, which, come to think of it, probably explains why I have lived largely outside. <laughs> I think that sometimes we're, not, we're well-meaning in our toast, but we're not sure exactly what we're saying. But it does bring us to this point, marriage. Who needs it? Why is it? How long should it last? When should it end? Should we even be married? And it's questions like these and others that the Pharisees try to test our Lord. And in response, Jesus gives us some teachings about one of society's most sacred institutions. And I commend your reading so many more verses after what I read in that particular chapter. Some of you might remember in the last century there was quite a character. Her name was Mae West. I'm not going to ask you if you remember her because that will date you, but I remember her. And she was famous for saying that marriage is a great institution, but I'm not ready to marry an institution yet. And so I think it's important for us to remember that marriage is not for everyone. And we need to treat singles as whole persons and embrace them and remind them and ourselves that Jesus was a single person. He was a single person over 30 who modeled a life of deep and intimate friendship without being married. There's nothing wrong with being single. Now, not all marriages are perfect. Far from it. John Wesley was a wonderful preacher and reformer, but he was a very poor husband. In fact, when uh, him, his wife died, when his wife died, he didn't even know about it for over a month. Now that can show you that he had a real close marriage. You see, lots of marriages are not the best. My suggestion is this. If you happened to be married to your job or you live only for your work or for sports or for whatever, if you're always looking out for number one, it would probably be wise for you to stay single, not to ever get married. Not everybody should be married. But if you do enter into that covenant and promise of marriage, Jesus, I believe, is clear that if you marry, it's a lifelong promise. It's a lifelong covenant. And Jesus goes back to the book of Genesis and quotes a passage when he talks about marriage as between a male and a female, and when he talks about it being a covenant that no one should break. Jesus profoundly and consistently affirms marriage to be more than a legal contract. Marriage is a sacred covenant, and I believe it's a great mystery. Something happens in that moment, when all of a sudden, me and you become us and ours, and a spiritual union takes place. And I suspect that somewhere down deep in the depths of your soul, you know that. 
You, you know that, that it is a mystical union. And it's something that's sacred. And if you didn't think that, you wouldn't get all dressed up. You wouldn't spend a lot of money. You wouldn't invite friends and family and have a gigantic celebration. Marriage calls for our finest intentions and our best support because something sacred is happening. Unfortunately, I have found in my time as I do premarital counseling that many times couples now, because of a fear of commitment, have simply lived together instead of making the commitment for marriage. This try it and see if you like it philosophy brings with it some sobering statistics. According to the latest statistics, 40% who cohabitate before marriage will break up before they commit to marriage. Of the 60% who will eventually marry, 45% will end in divorce. As you see, those are not good statistics. The thing is that when we're in a marriage covenant and promise, we come to know people as they really are. And intimacy deserves our unconditional commitment. Philip Yancey, who's a well-known Christian author, on the 25th anniversary of his marriage, wrote this letter to his wife entitled, Yes, My Legs Ache, But We Made It. And in it, Yancey compares the 300 months of marriage to mountain climbing. And I want to quote what he said. Some may make this marriage climb in a chairlift. <laughs> but you and I have climbed it one step at a time, taking deep breaths, holding on tight, determined to reach the top. No wonder our legs ache. I was telling Brenda about this sermon in service and we were talking and discussing it. And she said, that's why our legs are aching so much. <laughs> I said, yeah, I guess so. Because that's exactly the way our marriage has been. But having a lifelong loving commitment creates security. And it's hard work. It's not easy. You know, anyone can marry for richer or, or healthier or better, but it's that old rhythm and that sacred vow that makes family what it is for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness as well as in health. And you see, trust demands your marriage to, to be this way. Marriage is not a game of power and control. It's not a matter of superiority and submission. Marriage is a partnership of mutual trust. Sometimes you lead, sometimes you follow. Always you try to be dependable, reliable, and trustworthy. Marriage is a coming together. Of, I like to think of it this way. It's two, two tributaries, two streams, which are being joined together, and they flow in the same direction, and they carry the same burdens and responsibilities of, and obligations. That's why divorce is so messy. It bothers me that people sometimes don't think that I don't understand. I do understand. Brenda and I both were married previously for a short period of time in very traumatic marriages that were not healthy. But I'm happy to say that the Lord led me to a new wife. And, and Brenda's happy that the Lord led her to a new husband. 
And we're celebrating 34 years this year of marriage. But divorce is very messy because it tries to separate water that's flowing together in a common stream. And that's the reason why it's so important that you try to make it work in almost every circumstance. It's important for the children, if nothing else. One million kids a year in our country have their lives shattered by divorce. Even though kids are flexible and they bounce back, let's not fool ourselves. The safety, security, and stability of our nation is threatened because of so many broken families. It's important. It's important that if we enter into the covenant of marriage, that we realize it's a lifelong sacred covenant. When I do premarital counseling, I try to make sure that they go through a certain book that discusses all these things that can cause problems, and I try to get them to see and to understand. And I tell you right now, there's been a few couples when I've told them, unless we deal with these issues you already have, I will not marry you. It's important. It's important to be serious about marriage. Marriage is a promise. But it's also important for us to understand that a lot of marriages are troubled for reasons beyond people's control. Marriage is a promise, not a prison. And as long as marriage is made up of fallible people, some marriages will fail. Some marriages will fail. So when is it time to break apart the marriage covenant? In my opinion, it should be rare and seldom, but it does occur. And that should be between you and God. But I will say that marriage was not made for violence. And if you are in an abusive marriage, get help or get out now. It will not get better with time. God has called you not to live in fear. God has not called you to live in fear. Do you ever watch people? I like to watch people. When I go to the restaurant, sometimes I'm by myself for lunch or something, and I might sit there and I eat, and I look at other people. And sometimes you'll see people who are all animated, engrossed in conversation. And at another table, you might see two people who place their order, and then they sit there almost catatonic and don't say another word until the food arrives. My friends, marriages sometimes die. It takes a lot of work to keep a marriage going. If you are struggling today with your marriage, I hope that you would still come and repeat the vows and realize that those, what those vows mean. And maybe it will trigger in one or each of you the desire to make a new commitment to make your marriage work. You know, the same God that raised Jesus from the dead can break hearts of stone. That is our Christian belief. But it takes willing persons to enter into that resurrection. It takes willing persons to experience what God can do. When people exclude themselves from the church, it's worship and God. They exclude themselves by their free will from that powerful healing that God can do. What would Jesus say about marriage? Well, I think He would say this. If you're single, it's okay. And it's alright. It's a valid way to live a Christian life. And maybe you should stay single. To those who 
have troubled marriages, he would say that I can heal all brokenness. If you both will turn to me, I can still heal you. I think he would say to those who are witted to be thankful that you successfully completed your journey and to remember that you are a witness now to, to marriage and that you should be a faithful witness, that you should take under your wing some young person who's married and share with them the wisdom you gathered on how to make your marriage journey successful. And finally, I believe that Jesus would say to those who are married, hang in there. Hang in there. When you said those vows, you said them in the presence of me. I am still here. I am still with you. Turn to me, because marriage is worth it. And so I believe this day that Christ still works within all our relationships if we will turn and seek His help. And so now I'd ask you if you would simply take a moment to pull out the, the, um, the insert that you had in your bulletins. And now the way we're going to do this is anyone who would like to come and repeat their vows, we want them to come. And I know some of the choir said they were going to come. Now's the time to come. If you'll come down here to the front. Now, there's, there, if you're going to be like at 9 o'clock, we filled up the front pretty quick. So, so come to the front, those of you can. And if we can't make it into the front, some of you might still be in the aisles back there. But you come to the front and uh, face me with your partner and spread all out through here as far as we, get, we can on either all sides of the chancel rail and in the aisles. I am so happy to see your turnout to come and faithfully recommit your vows. So come on up. We got time. Everybody come up and get here some way close, some way. Yeah, come on either side of the chancel rail down here on the sides is okay. And um, let's get this rest of this group up here. Come on down. And now some of y'all can come right here close to me. I won't buy. <laughs> All right. Now, what I want you to do, if most, there's going to be some stuff in here, but then when we get to the place where you renew your vows, you, I want you to look at each other and hold hands, and maybe the guys can put this in their pocket or something to get it out of the way. But don't look at me when you repeat the vows. I always have to tell my, I always tell, I know, you wouldn't believe how many times at marriages I have to tell, I have to whisper, y'all look at each other, not me. You're not marrying me. God is love, and those who live in love live in God, and God lives in them, 1 John 4.16. So first of all, let me say grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We have come together to give thanks to God for the enrichment of our lives through marriage, for the many blessings given to us in times of joy and in times of sorrow. The Scriptures set before us marriage as part of God's creation, and a holy mystery in which man and woman became one flesh. It is God's purpose that as husband and wife give themselves to each other in love throughout their lives, that they shall be united in that love as Christ is united with His church. In this service, you will, be, you will renew and affirm the solemn vows which you made in the sight of God and before your family and friends when you were married. So let us all pray. 
Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, you gave marriage to be a source of blessing to us. We thank you for the joys of family life. May we know your presence and peace in our homes. Fill them with your love and use them for your glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, how many of you remember your marriage? Some of you are pretty old up here. You might not remember it. Do you remember when there was a time when the preachers always asked you, are you really going to do this? Remember? Declare your intentions. That's what this first is. Do you hear in the presence of God and this congregation renew and affirm the vows you made to each other when you bound yourselves together in holy matrimony? Will you seek to nurture and daily affirm your love and commitment to each other in the light of the love that God has revealed to us in Jesus Christ? All right, now this is where you put the paper down or a sign. And then what I want you to do is to hold, your, both, hold both hands and look at this bride and this groom. I want you to look at them. And think back about that time that you got married. And then I want you to repeat after me these words, okay? And I'm going to do it just a little bit different than I did at 9 o'clock. I'm going to let the man, men go first, then the women. So men, repeat after me. I renew my vow to you to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death us do part, according to God's holy law. All right. Now, women, you repeat after me. I renew my vow to you to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death us do part according to God's holy law. All right, now you who have just done this, I want you to pray this prayer, and I'm going to pray it with you. That's there that says people. All right, let's pray. Gracious God, we remember with thanksgiving our vows of love and commitment to you and to each other in marriage. We pray for your continued blessing. May we learn from our joys and sorrows and discover new riches in our life together in you. We thank you that in marriage we were brought together. Enrich us by your grace and strengthen us to keep those vows which we have today renewed in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now hold on, I'm going to offer you a blessing. So if you'll bow your heads. Eternal God, creator of us all, we pray for all who have renewed and affirmed their marriage vows. Give them strength to keep the vows they have made, to be loyal and faithful to each other, and to support each other throughout their life. 
that they may bear each other's burdens and share each other's joys. Help them to be honest and patient with each other. May they continue to enjoy each other and grow through the love they share. Grant that their wills may be so knit together in your will and their spirits in your spirit that they may grow in love and peace with you and one another all the days of their life. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Now you may kiss your bride or groom. All right. Can the rest of us clap in appreciation of this? And you now may go back to your seats. Thank you. And when you get back to your seats, if you'll get your hymnals out and we'll sing our closing hymn, which is number 643, When Love is Found.
you this day. May the Lord give you His peace. Amen.